Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Usher's going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given us. It's all from him. It's all for him. Uh, today at 3 p.m., We've got our housewarming service over at the new property. That's uh, 6175 East Kings Canyon. As you head out, get to Kings, go east toward the mountains. As soon as you cross over Fowler and past GB3, uh, you'll see our building on the right. Turn in there and we'll be there uh, right around 3 p.m. to walk through our new property to worship and pray there uh, and ask God to do something amazing through us in that place. Uh, so today, as you're here, and this is a ton of information, yes, you are correct, uh, we are in week four of a series that we're calling Unstoppable. This is all leading towards uh, July 22nd, where we're going to take an offering to go towards repairs on our new building. Uh, it's an old building we're moving in, and tons of stuff uh, needs to get fixed, like a roof that could cave in on our heads, but won't today. Uh, we're, we want to fix that so that we can invite people there with integrity, uh, knowing that nobody is going to meet Jesus when they come to be with the people of Jesus. Uh, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, and all this is happening, uh, we are so glad you're here. As you head out today, you'll see some really nice people on your right. Uh, fill out that card that you were given that says connection on the top of it. Uh, fill that out as you head out and you can drop that at the table as you leave. We've got a gift for you today because you matter to us and you made this place matter to you. So we want you to experience that with sugar on your way out. So this week in my family was a big day. Uh, there was a big accomplishment that happened. So I've got three kids. I've got Eden, who's 10, Ellie, who's 8, and I've got Micah, who's 4. And Micah loves the water, specifically with his life jacket. That is the third parent that he has always wanted because it is always ready to go in the pool with him whenever he wants. Uh, he's got the life jacket, and the pool is his world because that thing is going to keep him from drowning. And we, we did the swim lessons thing, and now we need to get the, like, applying the swim lessons thing to happen. So early on, uh, toward the end of last Last week, sorry. I began to tell him, dude, uh, we're going over to our friend's house to swim today, and I'm going to take your life jacket off of you, and you are going to have to swim. And he reacted like I was saying, I'm never going to see you again, and you will never eat candy again in your life. Uh, he's crying. He's upset. Uh, so I told him, okay, you're going to do this. And he's really good with time. So if I tell him, if at 3.30, I'm going to take off your life jacket, and you're going to swim, like he's got that time to, to get built up and stuff. And he'll tell me, in five minutes, we're going to go swimming. In six minutes, we're going to go swimming. So first time I did it, I said, okay, now is the time. I take off his life jacket. He is screaming. He is holding on to me like he's never held on to me before. We walk to the edge of the pool. He's got his sisters on the other side who can swim if need be uh, to get out and get him And while I dive in and pick him up so that uh, he doesn't go under for too long. I get him to the edge of the pool. He's holding on to me. He's crying. No, dad, don't. And it's whoom. I am bigger than you, and it is really good right now because you are flying into the pool. So the first time I did it, he, I took him, I threw him in the pool. He landed in the pool. He turned around and started, started swimming back to me to come to the close edge, and I jumped in and said, no way, buddy, you're swimming to the far side. So that was more crying on his part, but I picked him up, kind of hit him on his butt. All right, dude, go get it. So after one day of that, him being really, really mad at me, both times were lots of tears and lots of him getting to the other side and coughing up water. After one day, he began to, he began to get it. He began to be excited about it. So we went another time, and I said, well, you're going to go swimming right at the beginning, and you're going to go swimming right at the end without your life jacket. So we get there at the beginning, take off the life jacket, lots of crying, boom, throw him in the water, kind of chase behind him and make sure everything's fine. He gets to the edge, and you can, like, see the fear begin to leave his eyes. Like, cool, we're good. So end of the pool comes, or end of our time at the pool comes, he takes off his life jacket. He's like, I've got this now. Jumps off, swims across, gets out of the pool. He's so excited. Now we go back a different day to our friend's pool, and this time Anna came with us. So there's a cute girl. He's going to show off. 
So he gets to the edge, says, Mom, 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 here's the deal. I go to the far side of the pool that he's going to swim to now. He's got his life jacket on. He jumps off and he starts swimming. And I'm there on the other side, just, you know, like, what if, what if happens? So he's swimming the whole time. He's doing his doggy paddling thing, working as hard as he can. And every single time, because we did this many times in the day, he wanted to impress the girl a lot. He'd swim and hold his breath the whole time, which is good. And at the end, he would just massively exhale. <sighs> all the water that had been coming down his face, and he's coming right to me. So every single time of all of these victory laps of him swimming, he gets to the end and spits tons of water right in my face. It was totally unavoidable. You know, as the parent, as the coach, as the one kind of initiating the whole process, ready, set, fly, uh, it's good. Like, I didn't mind it. It was a celebration. It was kind of like a victory shower, you know, with the champagne after the team wins the Super Bowl, wins the World Series. It's tons of water from my son's mouth right in my face because he made it, and he's so excited. What we're going to look at today is kind of like that. For Micah, there was no other way to go than for him to get to me, exhale, and spit water all over my face. He's not going to like turn to the side. He's not going to say, it's okay, Dad. I will not cover you with my own saliva right now. I've got it together. He gets to the end. He can swim. He's excited. He's going to spit water every single time. Today we're talking about generosity because for us as Christians, the direction of our heart around our finances as God gets involved more and more is going to go towards generosity. It's an object of worship for us. We worship a generous God. So we're going to model this. We're going to put human flesh on God's generosity through us. There's no other way for us to go. If we're going to let God in to our finances, which at the beginning of the month means that when we get money, we give 10% of it back to God right away. We're going to give, we're going to save, and then we're going to live. All of those things are going to be shaped by generosity. And the reason is because with God in charge, there's no other place to go. There's no other direction to go. This has been a mark on the church from the very beginning. Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead after being dead for three days. He walked out of his own tomb. He gathered a group of people to follow him now post-resurrection as the risen Lord. And 10 days after that, he went back, or sorry, Yeah, 10 days after that, he went back to heaven and this group of people who had nothing in common before but began to come together around their commonality of believing that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of of their life. One of the big things that marked them was right away generosity. It wasn't taught, it wasn't instructed them that, hey, if you're gonna do this, if you want into this club, then you need to be generous. It was the outflow of what God had done in their heart because God is our model for generosity. At the very beginning, God is our model for generosity. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Go there now. We're going to hit one verse, four chapters before that. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It talks about God's generosity. It says, For God made Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so we could be made right with God through Jesus. It's a picture of God's generosity. That before we ever deserved it, before there was ever a promise on our behalf that we would pay back to God what he had given to us, God gave Jesus as, the, as, as our forgiver, as our savior. This is the beginning of our relationship with God. Our faith isn't based on us following a set of rules. It's not based on a pilgrimage. It's not based on a pilgrimage. It's not based on a certain lifestyle. It's based on God's generosity. God's generosity is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian because while we were far from God, God sent Jesus for our salvation to rescue us from ourselves, to rescue us from sin. And that generosity changes everything else about us. 
changes our financial life. It changes our relationships. It changes our emotions. It changes our sexuality. It changes everything about us. And when that takes hold in our hearts, awesome things happen and lives are changed. Josie is getting baptized today. And right now she's going to come up and share with us about how God's generosity has made a difference in her. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm a little excited because my husband's here today. So, um, um, life before, um, My life before Jesus had no sense of purpose. I felt lost. I always felt sad and empty. I, always, uh, I was dealing with a lot of depression and brokenness. I was about 25 years old when I asked Jesus into my heart. I prayed with some people at a church I was attending at the time. I wanted Jesus to change my life. I wanted him to, t- to heal me and to make me whole and fulfilled. After I made the decision, I felt good because I welcomed him into my life. I felt safe and I felt a sense of calmness and purpose and peace. I was young at the time and I didn't fully understand what salvation was. But my walk with Jesus has become a, became, uh, uh, sorry, has been a journey and since the beginning I have changed so much. He has helped me overcome the brokenness and hurt I used to feel. He has continued to make me feel whole, and I have a purpose now. Mm-hmm. I was able to get my son back and raise him to be what he is now by God's grace. I learned to take control of my life because he helped me take control. Right now, I am married to a loving husband. I have twins, and I am thankful for the family and unity that God has brought to my life. Even though I have certain struggles, God continues to shine his face upon me. My favorite verse is John 10, 10. Christ has come to my life, has gave, I'm sorry, Christ has come to give me life and life more abundantly. I believe that when he says life, he means eternal life, and that is forever. It is a better and blessed life, a different perspective, and he has given that. It, it isn't material, it is love, family, and joy. Today I am getting baptized because I am a new creation in Christ. So today after our service, Josie will be baptized outside. If you're here, you're outside of eighth grade. Uh, We'd love for you to be part of our next baptism, which is going to be the second Sunday in August. Uh, And it'll still be hot, so you won't get in the tank and freeze. That's always really good. But God is our model for generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your hearts how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God's saying, I'm your model for generosity. I gave before there was any guarantee that he would get anything back from us. And he doesn't do that to hold it over our heads, but to say, if you want to be more like me, and as God takes more ownership and involvement in our lives, our hearts are going to flow towards generosity. As we're generous, we're going to give skin to what God is doing in the world and in people. And we're going to represent God. We're going to look like God as we give generously. When we plant, when we plant holiness in our finances, when we say that we're going to run our money the way that God runs it, it's going to pull us towards generosity. It's going to lead us towards opportunities for you and me to be generous. We do this because God is our provider. We do this because God is our provider. Verse 7, or sorry, verse 8. 
And God will generously provide. God will generously provide. Not you, not your abilities, not your creativity, not your business skills. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have enough, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they shared freely and gave generously to the poor. The good deeds, their good deeds will be remembered forever. I think there's joy in this, there's hope in this, because there's not a single person in here who's 100% self-made. Okay, your financial life, where you sit now as an earner, as somebody who can generate income, the gifts and abilities that you have aren't just yours. They're given to us by God. I love it that Paul, the guy who's writing here, makes this completely clear, that God is the one who provides those things. God gives us a mind to understand business. God gives us a plan to save so that we can give and save and live and be generous and still have money left over at the end of the month to be generous with or to to spend again. That God is the one who does all these things for us. We plant in God as our provider. We put on our heart the idea that God is going to provide. That it's not us. It's not all up to us. We plant that in our hearts. And what we're going to harvest is going to be contentment. It's going to be faith. It's going to be worship. We talked about this a little bit last week, how one of the dangers of social media is that it's always pushing us to compare where we are with the top 1% that we see of everybody else's posting life. With God as our provider, what happens is we see contentment. That where we are, we're here because God is the one who put us here. He put us here to make a difference. He put us here to live for him in whatever stage of life we're in right now. Because God is our provider. And as our provider, God has a plan. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God is the one that plans. When we plant things, there's always going to be a harvest. Back in the day that the Bible was written, you were either a farmer or you starved. Uh, So there's lots of understanding in Jesus' parables and Jesus' teaching about farming. And so Paul's talking about this here. This God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. He's got a plan in this. Because when we harvest, we don't all, or when we plant, we don't always harvest in the season that we plant in. I, I love oranges at our old house. Uh, the people behind us had a big orange tree that more than half of it grew over onto our side, which means I had tons of oranges to eat uh, every season, and it was great, even to the point where it hurt my teeth because I would eat too many of them. Uh, but with oranges... And the way that it goes is a typical tree, uh, like a good tree, a tree that does what it's supposed to, is going to give you 4,320 oranges in a lifetime from one seed. That doesn't happen immediately. If it did, that would be a ginormous tree. But the way that it does is it gives about, this is roughly, 720 oranges per year. That's a lot. Over 60 years. Day in, day out. Farmers do the things that they're supposed to do for the, for the tree to continue to kick out oranges after oranges after oranges. Okay, would the farmers like it to just instantly, you plant seed in the ground, put water, set a timer for five minutes, boom, 4,320 oranges? Probably yes, because that would make bills a whole lot easier to pay. But the way that it is, is just year in, year out. You water, you wait, you plant, you harvest 4,020 oranges from one seed. I think that's a picture of what God wants to do in our lives around generosity is we start and then we water and we nurture the things that God wants to do in our hearts around generosity. And year after year after year, we get to see that that it's going to make a difference. That God's going to use the seed that we plant to make a difference. 
We've talked about this a little bit already on July 22nd. That's two weeks from now. We're going to take an offering to repair things at the new building that we're going to move into. Because when we move in, uh, when all the repairs are finished, we want to move into a place that's welcoming to people. And so one of the things that we're going to give towards, that kind of sounds a little bit weird, like why would we ever give to this? We're going to give towards toilets. Okay, you can think that giving is throwing money down a toilet, but now we're throwing money for a toilet uh, because the bathrooms that are there right now are not ADA compliant. So that means anyone who comes in with any type of limitations is going to have a really hard time going to the bathroom. Speaking of bathrooms, uh, when we're there today, the water hasn't been turned on. Uh, so you can look at them, but you can't really use them. Uh, so if you have little ones, make sure that they use the bathroom before they get there. Otherwise, that'll be very inconvenient for them and uncomfortable for them. Uh, and and yeah, that, so that part's said. Excellent, great, wonderful. But why are we giving money to toilets? We're giving money to toilets because we want every single part of our new facility to be welcoming to people. And if you've ever walked into a really good restaurant that has a really janky bathroom, you know how important a good bathroom is. And for us as a church, we want to be a place that is welcoming for everyone, whether they've got a wheelchair with them or, or whether they're just walking in. Like we want it to be welcoming. It needs to be compliant and it also needs to be nice. What we're giving towards is to making our whole campus as nice as we possibly can. And this starts by us planting generosity. For us allowing God his way into our finances. And even if we're starting with the small thing, we're saying, okay God, everything I have is yours. Start a wave of generosity in me. You've got a plan. A lot of times you start small and then you go from there. But God, do what you want to do through me. And so at, every week at a main campus, we have staff meetings. And this is where uh, the Sunnyside campus, main campus, and the Centro Cristiano, the campus that is uh, Solamente in Espanol, uh, we gather together to talk about what's going on in the church and cast vision, pray for each other, all that stuff. And this has been a really fun season for me because I get to look around the room and I get to see 10 people in that room who are in my youth group. When I started in 2004, there were six kids in the youth group. And one of the things that my boss encouraged me with is don't treat this thing like there's six kids. Okay, like don't pretend that you're a superstar and there are 5,000 kids out there when there are actually five. But be honest with yours, but be, be enthusiastic and go after those six kids like they are the six kids that matter the most right now. So that when there's seven, there's seven. And so I look around at this room and I see the result of 14 years of harvest in the lives of students at Clovis East, at Clovis High, at Sunnyside, at Sanger. And I get to see lives who, who have grown up, graduated high school, finished high school, and are now using their summer to work in the church. It's not because I'm an incredible person. It's because God has a long-range view of taking our investments. It's every single tough text and tough conversation that I had to have, every single ounce of patience that I pour out towards parents and kids, and volunteers, and situations that are difficult. It's all that, and God bringing it to harvest. And that's what he wants to do in us, to use us as people through whom he can work a harvest. Okay, we're going to take the offering on the 22nd, and for some of you, this is going to be the first dime that you have ever given away to church in your life. And that's excellent, because we're taking our first step in generosity. We're taking our first step in trusting our unstoppable God with our finances. Because God does have a plan. One seed in our life is great. One seed for an orange tree can produce 4,320 oranges. And we're saying, okay, God, I want you to take with what I have. And I want you to multiply it to reach people, to reach people who don't yet know you. 
We're doing all this because God is in control. As we plant, God increases our resources so that we can plant more and harvest more. Verse 11, he says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. And I love this right here because he's talking about how God is the one who is in control. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Who's going to do the enriching? The one who's in control, the one who has a plan, the one who models generosity from the beginning, the one who is our provider. We're putting our finances, which God uses in a very unique way to teach us and use those to teach us more than anything else. When we give God our money, we're stepping out in faith in new ways and we're allowing God to come in and to work, separate right from wrong in our hearts in an area that really, really matters to us in our finances. We're saying, God, I'm giving you something that's important. Use it to teach me. As we plant, God increases our resources so that we can plant more and harvest more. God's calling us to be generous, and as we're generous with our money, God says, I'm going to pour out more so that you can continue to be generous. I want to be clear, as we look forward to this new property, as we look at eventually leaving Sunnyside High, moving to a building, we're not moving because it's a building. We're not doing that. We're doing that because as a church, what's going to give us the ability to reach out to people and have a long-lasting impact as a church is to go from a high school to go to a building. It's going to give us a better financial foundation uh, to do ministry. It's going to give us more of a recognizable foundation to do ministry. And we're doing it because there are people in the Sunnyside area who currently don't know Jesus. And as a church, we want them to know Jesus. Yes, we care about the numbers. We care about the numbers of people in Sunnyside who don't know Jesus. That's the driving force behind this is that there are people that you and I know who live in this community who don't yet know Jesus and who are facing a Christless eternity. And we want to step into God's plan. We want to step into God's control. We want to step into God's place as our provider, financially, spiritually, and as a church. And we want to put ourselves in the best place possible to do the biggest impact possible for the kingdom of God. As we look at moving, as we look at going to a new facility that we're going to see today and then inhabit in the months to come, we want to do it as men and women who are going to be God's vessels to be used in southeast Fresno for lives given over to Jesus. We want to be the people through whom God works to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that means salvation. That means that as we give, we're investing in God's ability to save people. That in months and years and decades following, we're going to have stories every week like we heard from Josie. That my life before God was a mess. God came in and everything changed. Man, that's what we want to be part of as a church forever. Because God uses our generosity to make a difference here and in eternity. Yeah, the things that we give, they're going to make a difference here. But eventually the building's going to get torn down in like 200 years or whatever. We're going to be long gone. And if you know Jesus, you're going to be in heaven with every person whose life we got to impact as a church. Every person whose life we got to impact through block parties and we got to impact through encouragement. We got to impact by having Sunday services. We got to impact by giving sacrificially to to push forward the mission of the church and to fund God's soul-searching desire to win people to himself. We get to make a difference here and in eternity. That's the exciting thing is as we give, we're not just giving towards things here on earth that we can see. We're giving towards God's work in heaven to reach people and bring them into a relationship with him. We're generous 
because we're following the model of our King and our Savior who lays out generosity, who gave himself for us before there was ever any guarantee that he's gonna get anything back from us. It's the good news of Jesus that while we were far away, God gave himself to bring us into relationship with him. That's why we do this. That's why we worship. That's why we pray. That's why we get excited about our unstoppable God using us to make a difference in our community. Let's stand and pray. Father God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're active. I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that you are unstoppable. And God, as, as we get to make a difference here in eternity, here and in eternity, I thank you that you've already paved the way for that to happen by sending Jesus for us. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to ask him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect, you're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. You're saying I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus today, and as we close, someone will walk you through giving your life to Jesus, and it'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you. He always has, he always will. And today, he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we look at the way God wants us to do things, we push ourselves away, we say, I'm doing this my way. That's called sin, and Jesus came to forgive us our sin and to end that separation between us and God. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. I'm ready to begin that relationship today. Is there anyone like that where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? Today's your day to find forgiveness. Today's your day to find new life. Is there anyone like that today? Just look at me and raise your hand. So as we talk about generosity today, I want to challenge us as a church to take our next step forward in generosity. If it's going from giving nothing to giving something, I encourage you to take your next step. If it's from giving something to tithing and obedience and giving 10% of everything that God brings in, I challenge you to take your next step. If it's going from tithing to to living faith-fueled, faith-funded generosity, I encourage you today to take your next step. Let's confirm with our feet what God's doing in our hearts to come forward to sit, stand, kneel, whatever, and say, God, I'm taking my next step today. Everything I have is yours. It's from you and for you. Empower me with faith to take my next step as my provider and one who is generous for me first.